music only means one thing. That's right, it is time for Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. I'm Greg Madsen again for Matt Pauly tonight. Matt on assignment, and we'll be back, I believe, next week. So happy to sit in for Matt tonight on the program. We've got a bunch coming up, and would love to get your thoughts as we have uh, our confirmed list, by the way, for Brewers on Deck. We'll go through that list for you, who you can expect to see and hear from at the Brewers Annual Fan Fest this weekend at the Wisconsin Center. We'll be broadcasting from noon to 4.30 here on WTMJ. We'll simulcast on 94.5 ESPN-FM, making a big deal out of the whole thing. And why not? The Brewers were one win away from being a World Series team. Expectations very high for this season. And still perhaps some unfinished business this offseason, which we'll dive into here at the start of the program. We do have a chunk of my interview with Brewers pitcher Chase Anderson that we'll replay back for you coming up about 8.33 tonight. If you'd like to join us on the program to talk some Brewers baseball, I'd love to have you at 414-799-1620. That is the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A simple question here. I don't know if it's a simple answer, but we'll try and figure it out together if we can to start the program. Very clear to me that the Brewers have a decision to make with the middle infield, and more specifically, second base. And this was identified as an area, I don't know if you want to say concern, but David Stearns, GM David Stearns, even hinted at it after Jonathan Scope was non-tendered. It became very clear the Brewers were not enamored with Jonathan Scope. They parted ways. Stearns admitted it was a mistake. And during the winter meetings, there was some rumblings about the Brewers maybe kicking the tires on a second baseman or two. And slowly but surely, this robust market of second baseman, it started to dwindle. And the pond of second baseman, well, it's becoming a little more shallow. Brian Dozier, off the list. DJ LeMahieu, off the list. Daniel Murphy, off the list. As Drubal Cabrera, off the list. Jed Lowry, off the list. Scooter Jeanette, well, that was never even considered. And while there are still a few left on the market and potentially a good fit in Milwaukee, guys looking for a one- or two-year deal, the question becomes, what do you do here? What do you want to see happen at second base? What is the answer? Is it Travis Shaw and then he re-signed Mike Moustakas to play third base? Is it moving Shaw back to third and letting Hernan Perez give it a rip, along with Corey Spangenberg and Tyler Saladino? Or is it finding a guy like Josh Harrison... Marwin Gonzalez, or among the likes of the free agents available, to plug the gap until the Brewers' top prospect is ready to go. What do you want to see happen here? What's the best answer for the Brewers at second base? 414-799-1620. That's the Aconet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I do not want to see the Brewers go in the direction of, we're going to let Hernan Perez just do this thing and be the all-time guy. And yes, we'll shuffle in based upon matchups and who's on the mound. A guy like Corey Spangenberg and a guy like Tyler Saladino. I don't want to see that. That reminds me too much of what happened last year with the Brad Miller, Eric Sogard, Tyler Salad. I mean, it was everybody. They were grabbing at straws and trying to find something that worked and something that stuck. And the thing that ultimately looked the best was Travis Shaw playing second base. The combination of Shaw and Moustakis while both lefties, still had some value to it. So much so that Jonathan Scope was really not even part of the Brewers' postseason plans. But is that the best answer? 
Yep, get Moustakis back. He's going to be seeking a multi-year deal. I would have to imagine, at the very least, a two-year deal. Travis Shaw's working on a one-year contract as part of his we-avoided-arbitration deal. So he's back for $4.65 million. I think he's an arbitration two or three player after next season. So he's going to go back down this map uh, or this road again, and, and he'll be back in a Brewers uniform. But how much do you want to give somebody in terms of years and resources when you know the hot prospect is coming up through the pipeline, and at some point he's going to take over, and there will likely be no looking back? What is the best answer here at second base for the Brewers? What do you want to see happen? 414-799-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The one name that still is attractive to me, I'll explain who that is on the other side, and just how respected is Keston Hira among all prospects in Major League Baseball? We'll dive into it after this on Brewers Weekly. This is Brewers Weekly. I'm Greg Matzik in for Mad Pauly. Thanks for hanging out with me on a 10-degree night here in uh, southeastern Wisconsin or wherever you are. It's brutal outside and only getting colder, so not bad to talk about warm things. Think some warm thoughts as the Brewers are less than a month away from spring training. 414-799-1620, the Aconet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you want to see happen here at second base? What's the best course of action for the Brewers before the start of the season? They do have a top prospect in Keston Hira who has been unbelievable since entering the Brewers organization, rapidly moving through the ranks. He'll be at AAA to start this season. He will not break camp with the Major League Club. That's assured from David Stearns. He has yet to hit a AAA pitch, but everything trends in the right direction for Keston Hira. So just how valuable a player and just how highly rated a prospect is Keston Hira? Oh, the folks at uh, MLB.com, their uh, MLB pipeline, has unveiled its top prospects by position for 2019. And uh, and they go through. Right-handed pitcher, lefty pitcher, catcher, first base, I mean, all the way through the outfield. And a couple of days ago, they went through and identified the top 10 prospects at second base in all of Major League Baseball. Now, a couple of names stood out to me. Number one, Isan Diaz. Remember that guy? He was a part of the Brewers organization. In fact, he came over and... That Chase Anderson trade a few years back, a trade that was made right around this time a few years ago. Uh, He was a member of the Brewers organization. He's now part of the Marlins organization. He was sent packing when the Brewers got Christian Yelich. Okay, fine. Keston here is at the top of that list. He is the highest rated second base prospect in all of baseball. With an ETA of crashing the major leagues, of 2019, meaning at some point this coming season, Keston Hero will be in a Brewers uniform. Then they looked individually at the top tools. Who had the best tools to work with out of all the second base prospects? Best power, Keston Hero. He recorded 52 extra base hits, 13 home runs in his first full season. Poised to tap into that even more as he puts his raw power to use and gains experience and refines his approach. He projects to hit for power to all fields. Thanks to a pre a prenatural feel for barreling the baseball with short and impactful right-handed swing that consistently produces loud contact. That's the official diagnosis. Best overall hitter, Keston Hira. He led NCAA Division I hitters in college with a 442 average. He had a 371 average in his pro debut. He reached double A. He hit 293 across two levels. And then he crushed it in the Arizona Fall League 
and won the MVP. Pretty impressive. He does not show up in best arm. He does not show up in best defender. But he does have the highest ceiling, according to baseball pipeline, MLB pipeline. Hira's ability to hit for both average and power makes him one of the more exciting offensive prospects in the minors, and with just one full season under his belt, he's only begun to scratch the surface of his potential. He's a future middle-of-the-lineup run producer and could be the best second baseman in baseball during his prime. No pressure, kid, but the the reviews are pretty gaudy here for Keston Hira. So you get it, right? You understand why... The Brewers are not going to trade for Scooter Jeanette. I mean, they're not looking for a long-term answer. He had to give up prospects and, and dole out a multi-year. When I say multi-year, I mean three or more to somebody who could certainly help them today, but it goes against what they're looking to do here in the future. So to me, the name that sticks out the most, the name that I, I think I'd be most excited about coming to Milwaukee is Josh Harrison for a couple of reasons. Number one, Seems like when Josh Harrison hit against the Brewers, all he did was tattoo Brewers pitching. I'd like a guy like that playing in Milwaukee. Number two, I think he's a great defender. I think he's a very athletic and rangy defender on the infield. I just think he's a good ball player. Very familiar with the NL Central, no question about that, given his time in Pittsburgh. Relatively young, but he's not seeking a three- or four-year deal. I think it's a one- or two-year deal for Josh Harrison, and you're good to go. And the other name I would consider interesting is Marwin Gonzalez, who had uh, reasonably productive numbers for the Houston Astros. Incredible team, pretty good player on a very good team. Probably saw some pitching because, hey, they couldn't really do much with Jose Altuve. and right. I mean, he's protected in the Houston Astros lineup, but I like to think that somebody like that would be protected in the Brewers lineup as well. But what is the answer? What's the best way to go here for the Brewers as they approach spring training and the regular season. 414-799-1620, the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The top prospect is in the pipeline. The Brewers have, right now, a bit of a hole at second base. How do you fill it? We'll get to your thoughts coming up on the other side. Also, go through our Brewers list of on-deck guests, which I have right in my hands, right in front of me. The people who will join us on stage at Brewers on Deck on Sunday We'll do it after this in WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly. I'm Greg Matz again for Matt Pauley. Welcome back to the program. 414-799-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That's 10 degrees out. Brewers on deck is Sunday. I thought we'd have a little more traction here on Brewers Weekly. Trying to figure out what the best course of action is for GM David Stearns at second base. Mike Moustakis still available if you want to do the Travis Shaw Moustakis thing at second and third. Josh Harrison, Marwin Gonzalez, is there another move to be made, or do you roll with what you got if you're GM David Stearns? 414-799-1620. Coming up on Sunday, just a a quick note for how we're going to handle Brewers on deck. This is going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be a a longer and more unique broadcast than what we're used to. Uh, The folks down at the hall, 94.5 ESPN-FM, are going to kick things off between 10 and noon. In fact, I think that's before the gates even open for Brewers on deck. Uh, but they will get us started and have the likes of Corey Knebel, Yasmani Grandal, Travis Shaw, Jimmy Nelson, Corey Ray, and Keston Hira joining the program. And then uh, at 12 o'clock, we will take over with a special simulcast of Brewers on Deck Live. So on WTMJ, 94.5 ESPN-FM, and I believe even the ESPN radio station in Madison is going to carry what we are broadcasting 
Brewers on Deck Live. So we will have Ben Gamble, Eric Thames, Chase Anderson, who we just talked to a little earlier tonight, is going to join us. Ryan Braun and Christian Yelich will join us all before 1 o'clock. And uh, then in the 2 o'clock hour, Craig Council, Corey Spangenberg, Brent Suter, and uh, even Bob Eucher, Sophia Minnert, Mark Atanasio, Jeremy Jeffress. we got a long list. We've got a long list. If you want to hear from them, they will probably be joining us at some point on stage during the course of Brewers on Deck Live. So check it out. Hang with us. We've got a program from noon to 4.30 leading you up to Bucks basketball on Sunday late afternoon. 414-799-1620. That is the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You've got a few weeks until spring training. And about two months until the regular season begins. So there's your window of time. There's your window, if you're David Stearns, to try and figure out an opening day option for second base. Are there enough existing right now to make it happen? Well, sure. But does it move the needle? Does it give you reasonable production beyond what you had a year ago? Because ultimately... David Stearns landed on Travis Shaw at second, and Mike Moustakis at third. Jonathan Scope did not work out. Eric Sogard did not work out. Brad Miller did not work out. Tyler Saladino, there were some injuries there, but he, by and large, did not work out. So it was kind of scramble mode. Is that what you want to see this time around, or is there an obvious move to be made? Let's talk to Jake in Oconomowoc on WTMJ. Hi, Jake. Hey, yeah, I, I'm kind of on board with you as far as Moustakis re-signing. Um, if we can do a similar deal where you have maybe a one-year deal with the player and a, a second year still an option for the crew. Um, I also really love the idea of Harrison, and I think that aligns with the Brewers' philosophy. And, and bear with me here on this. This is mainly on the fact that Harrison can play everywhere, right? He is such a good defender. He has experience in the outfield. So when Kira does come up potentially later this year, it gives you some flexibility and you don't have to bear all the burden um, with a young kid uh, who has no experience, as you said, in the majors and obviously even in AAA. I think it's an interesting point that you bring up, Jake. When you've got guys with positional versatility, while he might be warming the bag up for a top prospect, potentially there's still some value for that player on the squad. Now, when you talk about a guy like Mike Moustakis, what's he going to do aside of play third? First base? That's about it. I mean, right now that's Jesus Aguilar. Eric Thames may not make the team, and two years from now he may not be a Milwaukee Brewer. So there potentially could be a hole at first base. But uh, there's probably more positional versatility with a guy like Josh Harrison. Travis Shaw is a first baseman who also plays third base, who proved capable of playing second base. He showed defensive versatility last season. Harrison was an all-star in 2017 at the age of 29. And his batting average has gone down somewhat steadily since 2014. I know last year there were some injuries and played fewer than 100 games. That was kind of an outlier in his career. He's primarily been uh, pretty healthy, I think, overall. But a career, 277 hitter, I'll take that. All-star a couple of years ago, he's 30. So you're not looking for a a big-time payday for the guy. I think he fits. Defensively, it's a home run. Great. Offensively, there's some production there. Is is that the best option? 
I think so. And you were talking about it earlier about whenever I really you, like him. Whenever you watch him play, you, he kind of hits the ball. You always feel like he's hitting the ball against the Brewers. Uh, he against the Brewers home and away. So uh, in Pittsburgh and also in Milwaukee, he has a two seventy six, I think, career average. So his career average against the Brewers is right in line with his career average as a hitter. Okay. Uh, do you have his splits at Miller Park? I do. They're not great. They're, are, is that right? Is it right? Uh, two ten, I believe, is what it was. Really? Yeah. And and I think only one home run. That surprises me. But again, I, ha- what I haven't dug deeper into if they're hard contact, you know, the other deeper stuff that I could look into. But like, I, okay. I, I agree with you that I feel like every time he plays the Brewers, he does something or he's, he's around for something or he's on, his on base percentage was above 300. So that's a positive. He's that guy that I never wanted to see up. When yeah. facing the Brewers, and he's, da- right? he's dangerous. That's probably that's why. Well, he is. He can do a lot of things. He made over a little over ten million last season, so uh, he's likely seeking a multi-year deal, two years or more. I, I think a two-year deal makes sense. I think Mustakis is probably in a similar category as Josh Harrison in terms of number of years and dollar amount. They're similarly aged. They're going to give you power. Harrison's a righty. Mustakis is a lefty. If those are your and his two numbers options, go down in a shift world, we know that. Who who would you rather have? And I, I I would pick Harrison purely because I'd rather have them have a second baseman than another corner infielder. And Harrison could also play every position, I believe, in the infield, so he has the versatility. Would you Would you rather them make the the two year deal for Harrison if it was between him and Mustakas? I like everything about Mike Mustakas. I think he fits in Milwaukee. I think it was a, a a nice pickup. He's got that experience that you'd love to have. He's a tremendous locker room guy. I'd rather have Josh Harrison. For the reasons that you outlined, defensive versatility, you'd probably get the most out of that two-year deal. I do believe that lefties in this world of shifting in baseball, they don't really love to see it, right? They would like to see the shift maybe go away. Even Travis Shaw, I think, to some degree was affected by that. Um, And Mike Moustakas is is primarily a dead-pull hitter. It's a tough one because I like everything about Mike Moustakis. I really do. But I, he's sort of a clutch guy, but he's also like a 240 hitter. I, you know what I mean? Like the, the, That's kind of what Travis Shaw is. Exactly what he is. So I'll take a righty whose average is a little better, who's still got plenty of pop. I don't think anybody would be shocked if Josh Harrison hit 20 bombs next season. If he plays 100, you know, 30 games, let's say conservatively. Probably hit more than that, especially playing at Miller Park. I, it, to me, that guy makes sense, and he's still available. Each passing day, it seems like you're, you're getting closer and closer to getting a little more nervous about it, I think. And I, that's fine. It's not like one option was so dramatically better than the next on the free agent market where you felt really sunk. Jed Lowry, I was a big fan of. That made sense to me. DJ LeMahieu, I thought, okay, good defense. That makes sense to me as well. Pretty good hitter. Well, now you're down to Josh Harrison. Is it really that big of a difference between all those players? All of the free agent second basemen who have signed so far this year, this offseason, are on one- or two-year deals. I have no reason to believe that the next one who signs will sign a one- or two-year deal. And that, to me, fits in the Brewers' wheelhouse. Coming up next, if you missed it, our conversation with Brewers starting pitcher Chase Anderson. We'll have that for you right after this on Brewers Weekly. This is Brewers Weekly. I'm Greg Matzik. Welcome back to the program. 
Happy to have you along here till 9 o'clock tonight. Hey, a reminder, iPhone users, WTMJ, we have a brand new app. It is improved. It's a lot easier now to find stories and get notifications on breaking news and features that we do here at the station. You can also listen live or check out show podcasts. Here's what you do. Go to the App Store on your phone right now. All you have to do is download it, the WTMJ app. And while you're at it, if you like things a little bit easier, text the word GREG to 414-799-1620. You will get the information back on how to subscribe to the Sports Central podcast and a direct link to all the interviews and programs that we have had over the last several weeks and months. It's all right there at your fingertips. Just text the word GREG to 414-799-1620. Earlier tonight on Sports Central... Had a chat with Brewers starting pitcher Chase Anderson. It was a very interesting season for Chase Anderson, who started off as uh, your opening day starter, gave up a lot of long balls throughout the season, and by season's end was out of the playoff picture. He was not rostered for the Brewers' playoff run, and I know he's eager to get back at it and get ready for this season. Our conversation with the Brewers' starting pitcher, right here. How's it going? I'm doing well. What did we interrupt you doing? Nothing. Nothing at all? You've got no, a two-year-old at home, Chase. You're telling me it's a quiet uh, night? <laughs> no, it's far from quiet, I'll tell you that. But uh, we got to finish up dinner. My son's playing on his little bulldozer toy thing, running around the, the kitchen, wife's doing dishes, which is usually my job. But, uh, yeah, I get the pleasure to talk to you guys, so I get out of doing the dishes tonight. You know, I don't know if it was a year ago, maybe two years ago, we talked to you. I think it was shortly after you had signed a, a new deal with the Brewers, and uh, you were eating Chinese food. So was that on the menu tonight? That was not. I'm a little, even healthier these days. You know, I'm 31 now, Greg, so I got to take care of myself. <laughs> Good man. Well, uh, you'll be coming back for the event uh, this Sunday. I guess, you know, you start to see it on the horizon here. Chase, winter does have an end date, but you're going to have a little pit stop where it's awfully cold. But I know you always look forward to the event. Yeah, I do. It's fun to connect with the fans. I know this year it's sold out. So, uh, you know, I know this, what we're doing in Milwaukee is uh, definitely getting the, getting that fan base ignited and they're excited for the 2019 season to, you know, try to wrap this thing up and get us a world championship. So I'm looking forward to getting back there. Uh, my wife and son are going to come in town too. So uh, it'd be nice to, to go out there. I know it's uh, in the teens uh, temperature wise, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. 13 degrees as we talk together. I'm uh, assuming you're in Texas right now, correct? I'm in Texas. It's a nice 55 and sunny today. Okay. That's, that's comfortable. We can deal with that. <laughs> Uh, the last time we talked, Chase, was uh, in the locker room after that uh, loss to the Dodgers in the NLCS. It was uh, at Miller Park. And I, I had asked you, is it you know time to just decompress and it's been a long season? And you gave me an answer that was different than most of the people I talked to. You said, no, man, I'm getting right back after it. How has it been for you this off season? Yeah, um, we, I came home right after that. I drove home with U-Haul and my dogs and all our stuff loaded up from Milwaukee, the, I think the next day or the day after that, and uh, I got back here. We moved into our new house. My son's birthday was November 4th, and a week later I was back working out in the gym, getting ready for um, the 2019 season. So no downtime for me. Um, I mean, I guess you count had a couple a couple weeks where I didn't play much because I wasn't on the playoff roster. Um, but, you know, I'm, I was looking for after the season was over, uh, it was a little bit – I kind of decompressed on my drive home, if, if you will. And, you know, I got right back after it, like I said. I'm looking forward to big things in 2019. Was that part of the motivation, Chase, uh, not being a part of that playoff roster, still enjoying the success of the team, but not really being able to contribute? Was that the motivation for getting back at it right away? Yeah, and I think so. Cause I, I, I took some time off, obviously, not pitching, and I was trying to keep my arm fresh just, just in case somebody got hurt, and, you know, as I forbid that happened. Um, and uh, I had to be activated, but, 
you know, I didn't throw for, I don't know, maybe a month for the, at the end of the season. And I got off, got right back into the, the gym and the swing of things because I knew that uh, 2019 was going to be a big year for the Brewers and, um, and for me too to continue to, to get better and, you know, be more like the chase I know I am. You know, those two years, right? I mean, brilliant a couple of years ago. I know the long ball got you a little bit last year. Doesn't it just point out what a, what a fine line pitching is and, and, and the difference between success and, and maybe not having the success you want? It it seems minor, but it's certainly enough to kind of sway the end result. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's no, no bones about it. I gave up too many home runs last year. Um, the guys that are on the playoff roster deserve to be on that roster. Um, and you could argue that uh, I deserve to be on there. I don't deserve to be on there. But I think the thing is, is I, I, I own that. And I could have pitched better down the stretch to give myself a better chance to be on that roster. But we put the best team on the field, and you know, look how far we got. So no bones about that for sure. But I think for me to uh, to look at 17 and understand what I did that year um, was just the tip of the iceberg. I think, and then you know, kind of regressing a little bit to 2018, not kind of getting back in the same groove I did in 17 of such a good rhythm. You know, pitching seven innings for most part of the whole season each each outing, uh, and then, you know, last last season wasn't like that. It was kind of up and down for me. Um, but yeah, I think for for getting back in the gym this offseason was definitely motivation to to make that next step and be a big contributor in the post contributor in the postseason twenty nineteen. Chase will be in town on Sunday for the Brewers annual on deck event. It is a sold out event at the Wisconsin Center. What are the key things that you work on in an off season, Chase? Is it more flexibility and strength, or are you actually working on developing anything that can help your game on the mound? That's a good question. I think this year I went into it with trying to gain some range of motion in my hips and uh, in my thoracic spine. Uh, it's kind of getting crazy talk, but that's just that's. I got you. Uh, all I know, uh, we learn from you know we talk to our trainers and uh, all that kind of stuff, so they kind of use that terminology. So we become become second nature to us when we're talking about that kind of stuff. But just kind of gain some more range of motion in there. Um, I did a lot more strength training this year, um, I, which I've done a lot in the past, but this year I've actually got. A lot stronger on the deadlift. I've actually done the most I've ever had in my in my life. Um, actually, the other day. So I think just continuing to use the the motivation um, like I did in 17 going into the season with me losing arbitration, understanding that you know I had to fight for a job, um, and then this year's a little bit different scenario. But I want to be on that roster in the playoffs. I want to contribute to, to the to the Brewers. I want to be a part of this team for a long time. So I need to continue to prove myself day in and day out. And, had that chip on your shoulder. It's always been a good thing for me because I've always been kind of an underdog. I got to have to, you know, earn everything I get. And, you know, I wouldn't want it any other way. You know, you and Jimmy Nelson are in, you know, somewhat similar of a situation here. Just you looking to bounce back and improve any doubt or wrong. I know it's a little different in that you pitched last year and Nelson didn't, but what you guys were able to do two years ago was part of the reason, uh, you know, such interesting and unique and fun baseball was played in September. Yeah, I think so. I think Jimmy, um, had that freak accident and man it's crazy i thought i thought he slid back into first base and was looking up like wiggling his fingers laughing because he he tried to go second and go for a double and i'm making it <laughs> he turned first like oh crap the ball's already at second i better go back and he goes in and that crazy accident happened to his arm and man that was tough but i think jimmy one of the hardest workers i've ever met and know uh is going to come back and do everything he can to be successful on the mound again and you know for me too to continue to to get better as a pitcher and contribute as I go into my um, my fifth season, um, fourth with, with the Brewers. I'm looking for big things for, for from us too, and you know the guys we have there already are. Look at what Shasheen did last year, and 
Woodruff and Burns and Peralta and um, Zach Davies. And we got a lot of guys that can contribute, and I'm looking forward to being a part of that and hopefully help lead the staff and um, kind of get back to the pitches that I know I can be and uh, just do the, do the things that, that make me tick and make me successful. It's Brewers starting pitcher Chase Anderson. Where will he factor in to the rotation? There's a lot of names on the list. We'll just do a little reset of all the possibilities the Brewers have rostered right now who could start next season. We'll do that after this on Brewers Weekly. This is Brewers Weekly. I'm Greg Matzik with you on WTM Jane. About 15 minutes left on the program. If you'd like to join us here, 414-799-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you had to guess, would Chase Anderson begin the season in the Brewers starting a rotation? Noodle on that for a second. I'll help you get to that point. Should we go through the list of players who started a game for the Brewers last year? Let's do it. Just off the top of your head, Ashton, take a guess. How many different members of the Brewers last season started a game? Fifteen. Not quite that high, but we are in double digits. So let's go through the list. Here we go. We've got Yolis Chassin and Chase Anderson, the only two pitchers with 30 or more starts for the Brewers last season. Junior Guerra, Brent Suter, Wade Miley, Freddie Peralta, Zach Davies, Gio Gonzalez, Brandon Woodruff, Dan Jennings, and Aaron Wilkerson. Uh, The name not mentioned in that list is... Corbin Burns. He's the name not mentioned in that list who could factor into the rotation this year. Uh, Burns was brought up and used exclusively as a reliever. So by process of elimination here, we can eliminate some of these names. They will not be starting for the Brewers next year unless something happens between now and spring training. Those names would be Brent Suter, remember he's got that wacky injury, Wade Miley, and Gio Gonzalez. Gio Gonzalez and Miley are not rostered by the Brewers currently. Suter is injured. So now you're down to Chassin, Chase Anderson, Guerra, Freddie Peralta, Zach Davies. There's five. Brandon Woodruff and Aaron Wilkerson. I don't believe Dan Jennings. Is Dan Jennings rostered? What did I miss here? I missed something on him, didn't I? Uh, I just I don't think they renewed his contract. I, I think, think you're that. correct. I think he's still available. Okay, so there's seven. And then if we want to lump in Corbin Burns, there's an eighth. Uh and now you have to add Jimmy Nelson to the mix, too, as a ninth. So there's nine guys in the hopper. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I, and I, would you say that's a good problem to have, or is it a... Oh, definitely. No, I, and really, in the way that Craig Council uses pitchers, and the way David Stern's eyeballs, arms in the system, it, it would be foolish to say that it's these five guys, and that's it. You always need upwards of eight to ten starters in a given season to get through game one to game 162. But with the way the Brewers use their pitching, does it really matter if Corbin Burns is a number three starter or Brandon Woodruff is a number four? I don't think it does. Just the way that these guys are used, I don't think that really matters. I think they can be ter- terribly effective. Uh, the way that they were used a year ago. But it just may be that your best five pitchers coming out of camp are Yoli Chassin, Chase Anderson, Jimmy Nelson, Brandon Woodruff, and Corbin Burns. I mean, that could be your five. That's not a terrible rotation. It, it's not. And then Freddie Peralta, Junior Guerra, those are some options out of the pen. Guerra was pretty good in that situation last year. So you've got power arms, you've got uh, some versatility there. What you don't have is uh, you know a true righty-lefty mix. I don't know how big a deal that is with the way that the, the Brewers use their bullpen guys. It's more about how many times in the order will a guy see a, an opposing hitter. 
And we know that number rarely gets above three. It hardly gets two, three in the Brewers system. So to say that, well, Chase Anderson, he should be in the rotation or he shouldn't be, I I think it's a little bit premature to say that one is so much better for the team than the other. It's really hard for me to say that. Uh, But Anderson has proved durable. I mean, he had 30 starts last year. That's a benchmark number. Chassin was the workhorse at 192 innings and 35 starts and the only pitcher with double-digit wins. So I think Chase Anderson does factor into the rotation at the start. But again, I it, that is not gospel for anything to me. It's really not. And I'm starting to get to the point where I'd be more and more surprised if Wade Miley didn't come back. This is not developing into a K-Rod situation where you, you just know he's going to arrive at spring training at some point. We're not there yet. Uh, but it's somewhat of a cool market with starting pitching. And, and maybe Dallas Keuchel is the Manny Machado of the pitching crew. But if you look at free agent pitchers available who are really worth a darn, uh, it's not too long before you get to Wade Miley and Gio Gonzalez. And of the two, I'd take Miley over Gonzalez. I keep trying to think in my head, how can Council best utilize... Just the best, like, 15 pitchers. Not even, not 15, that's way too many. 12 pitchers, let's say. And I'm not even sure it's five starters. I think the best way maybe he would even look, he would look at it, is, hey, if I get three solid guys who I count as starters that are going to be the ones that go five-plus innings, I can just fill in the gaps from there. Like, you, you get Chassin, Anderson, and maybe Davies or even, even Peralta as the guys who say, okay, I'm going to throw them out there for five innings. Five or six innings, I know they can do that. Everyone else is, we're just going to see what happens. So then on the, the fourth and fifth day, are you saying somebody starts and works two innings? Like, a, I'm just going to grab a name here. Taylor Williams goes two innings and Corbin Burns goes three, and then you're into the back end of your bullpen? Yeah, I, I, yes. That, that is what I think is this team is headed for. Maybe not as a regularity, but I think enough. That's interesting. Uh, so they had those bullpen days a couple of years ago, and that was out of necessity more than anything else. I don't know if you could do that. For a you know to replace a number four and a five, it might be a one day a week sort of thing. You know there are situations in a season where you really don't need a fifth starter for a pretty good chunk of time. Uh, that may be an opportunity. I don't know. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I, I am less interested in who starts a game for the Brewers and more interested in who the second guy coming into game for the Brewers is. It's fascinating baseball. It is absolutely fascinating. We will wrap up the program with some final thoughts after this. You're listening to Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Do you memorize that disclaimer, Ashton? I can't. It's too fast. (laughs) Jeez. If you'd like to win something, good luck. The text line is out. We'll tell you, caller, what you have to be and and whatever. It's just a life lesson. Good luck. You want to win something, good luck. Ashton, true or false? I have said on this program, we'll take the eighth caller. And you have somehow maybe taken the 10th caller or the 4th caller. How do I answer this without getting in trouble? Answer truthfully. Uh, I used to produce the afternoon show, and I, got, I, I screwed up once. and I, I, It was a different phone system. And it ended up awarding a prize to the wrong caller because I lost track on how to count. Uh, I've done that. I, I don't know that the caller ever knew, but I knew myself, and I felt guilty about it for a long time. It wasn't a... It wasn't like... We're sending you to the Super Bowl kind of thing. It, it was, I think, maybe a pair of Admirals tickets or something. But uh, nonetheless, I felt bad about it for a long time. 
coming clean on Brewers Weekly. I'm Greg Matzik, wrapping up the program tonight uh, as we continue to hurdle toward Brewers on deck. We will be there on Sunday for the bulk of the day. Our broadcast begins at noon. It runs to 4 o'clock. Uh, in fact, Eric Bilstad is doing a WTMJ Conversations with longtime Brewers engineer and producer Kent Sommerfeld. That will air at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning and lead right into our On Deck Live coverage. So noon to 4.30, make sure to check us out. I continue to see this stuff all over the Internet, and it's you know it starts with Vegas and then it moves to other prognosticators who try and spit out a win total in the middle of January for what they think every team in Major League Baseball is going to be. And it appears the consensus is that the Brewers are a third-place team in the NL Central behind the Cubs and Cardinals. Yes, the Cardinals made a big splash move with Paul Goldschmidt, an MVP-caliber player. Uh, the Cubs are a talented roster, but I would argue so are the Brewers. The Cubs have done nothing, especially for the most part, to get better aside they, from get healthy. Well, and that's a big deal, I, I think, ultimately. And I don't know how effective, I guess, you Darvish will be, but I, fine. Go ahead. Sleep on the Brewers a little bit. They did last year, too. Turned out to be a pretty good season. But uh, 83, 84 and a half wins, that's kind of the wheelhouse of what I'm seeing here. That's barely over 500. That would be a step back as the division improves. I get it, but my goodness, Brewers are a good team. Not getting a lot of national love. That's all right. Uh, Out of time on tonight's program.